In today's episode, I am chatting with Kelly Hogan from Mathematically Enthused. I have been chatting with Kelly a bunch on over on Instagram over the past few years when she had a different Instagram name and throughout her different teaching positions. Kelly is a former classroom teacher turned K-6 STEM teacher in Long Island, New York. She loves all things math and is passionate about bringing practical and functional math skills into her STEM or STEAM lessons. She's a level two Google certified educator and loves helping other teachers simplify their day through the use of Google technology. When she's not teaching, Kelly loves working out and hanging out with her family, friends, and her husband, and of course, her little puggle, Rowdy. This episode was so much fun, and Kelly has such a great experience from being in the classroom and into the STEM space that I know you're definitely going to connect with, and she even has some awesome tips and tricks of what she has done in her classroom that I definitely want to use in mine, and I'm sure you definitely want to use in yours. I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being here today. We were chatting a little bit before this, and you and I have talked over the years, and we message each other all the time, and you're so sweet when you tag me in your stories. So I knew I had to have – well, I asked you a while back, I think, when I was first launching, will you be a guest? You're like, yes. So I finally got it all together. I figured out how to invite guests, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just so excited to chat with you and your position because – Um, I think your story, and I don't know all of it, but I think your story will really resonate with a lot of teachers because most of us have been teachers who are in the classroom and then we get thrown into this role. So tell us more about yourself and your background and just how you stepped into your STEAM or STEM. We'll probably say both, um, but how you stepped into your role. So... For those who don't know me, I'm Kelly Hogan. I'm mathematically enthused on Instagram and Teachers Pay Teachers. And to tell you my full STEM STEAM story, I need to go back like way, way back. So before I was in college, I was looking to, yeah, I was looking to be a teacher from as long as I could remember. And I was preparing to go to school for music education. So I was focusing on being a music teacher and being heavily involved in music ensembles that were curricular and extracurricular. But when I got to college, I realized that that was not necessarily the best fit for me. I loved doing music and being part of ensembles, but I realized that as a teacher, I'd be kind of limited in what I was doing with students and impact was important to me. So I graduated from college in 2005 with my bachelor's in elementary education And in New York State, teachers are required to get a master's degree. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Um, After a certain amount of years now, but the time when I graduated, there was no limitation on how many years you had. I think now, once you graduate, you have to have your master's within about three years. So choosing the master's was hard for me because at the time in 2005, the big push was reading and literacy. And I knew definitively that I didn't want my master's in reading and literacy. So I shopped around for a while and 
at Hofstra University, where I got my master's from at the time, they had a program that was elementary math, science, and technology. Oh, it's like yes. STEM, basically. <laughs> yes. So it was elementary MST, and it was lots of integrated projects. One of the things I remember very distinctly about that program was that I had to make a scale model bed for a stuffed animal of my choosing. We had to make board games. We had to write papers about the process. I actually fell in love with math through that program, which is kind of interesting. But I had friends who, after we graduated, were getting jobs as the science teacher in schools where science was a push-in or where they were just specialized and departmentalized at the elementary level. STEAM and STEM wasn't a thing. It wasn't a job at the time. And I was just kind of using it to enhance my toolbox and my work in my classroom with my kids. I have taught every classroom grade except for second. So at some point in time, I have taught everything from K through six. Mm-hmm. And I was happy in the classroom. And then I ended up teaching math AIS for about a year and learned that that was not my thing. Love math. Did not love math AIS. So I was kind of looking around and thinking about where my next career move would be, what would my shift be. And the district right next door to mine had an opening for an elementary scene teacher. And I read all the bullet bullet points on the job and was literally floored Mm -hmm. because I was like, that's the job. That's that's the job I want. (laughs) So um, I interviewed in April. I was offered the position a couple weeks later. And then I was appointed in May of 2021, and I have been in that STEAM mindset ever since. I've never looked back. But the irony is that if I go back to my high school experience, I always did want to be Uh a special area teacher. So it was kind of looping back to what I wanted to do without knowing exactly what I wanted to do. So I definitely am in the right space right now. I love my job. And even on my worst days, it's so energizing. So it's the right place for me to be. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think really you're, it's a very creative space. And I think your experiences definitely lead us into this STEM position because I thought about that too. Like I had a class in middle school. It wasn't called STEM because like that term is so new, um, but it was called technology, but all the stuff was STEM based. So you had all these stations, there's robotics, there was stop motion, there was like these laser cutter things. So I'm like, I've always loved science and hands-on stuff. So it just makes sense. Like, so probably same with you. Like, oh, this makes sense why I'm in this role. And your master's pretty much is STEM. So Yes, that, that program has evolved and it's actually now called Master's in Elementary STEM Education. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. But I was also always a very love science and technology. So mm-hmm. it just, it was the right hat to put on and it kind of found me at the time that I needed it to find me. So I could not be any happier than I am right now. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I'm glad it was like a good, it's a hard but fun transition. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely are, hard. I would yes, definitely it, describe it as hard. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it's hard. I think being a classroom teacher though before, I bet you see this too, is super valuable because you know how to plan. You've obviously taught all the grades. So I think having that experience instead of there's nothing wrong with just jumping into STEM, but I think having that background in education and classroom management and planning a lesson and figuring it out really, really helps in your role a ton. I see that a ton for myself. (laughs) A hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. I can't imagine coming out of a teacher education program into STEM without having a little bit of classroom time first, because it is amazing how much management it takes. Oh yeah. I, that's like the biggest thing. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I'm the mean aunt. I'm not the nice <laughs> one today. <laughs> Mostly nice, but sometimes yes, mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what have been your favorite parts so far? Because I mean, I know you love it, but like, what are your favorite parts about it? I don't want to be too cliche and say everything, but to some degree, <laughs> yes, it's everything. But the most important things that I would stick with is that Every day is exciting. My students love to come into the STEAM lab. I would say that out of the 360 students I serve, maybe I have two students who aren't engaged when they walk into the STEAM lab a week, which is outstanding. And the energy that they bring in really energizes me. So that is a huge part of it. The 40-minute periods are lovely. I actually... They're a blessing and a curse, kind of like what you were saying about being the aunt. It's great to have 40 minutes when it's a tough day for a certain class and and you're just trying to muscle through it and then you get to send them back to their teachers Mm -hmm. Um, like you're being the fun auntie, right? But I also only get to see my students for 40 minutes a week. And that's the downside is that there's so much I always want to do in STEAM that I'm always strapped for time. And then I think seeing every kid at school. So I teach all of the kids in my school, K through six, which means I have a relationship with all the kids in the school. I have a relationship with their siblings. And so far, I've only been there for, this is my second year, but I'm already really enjoying seeing kids grow from year to year and how they change. And it's really just, it's amazing how I was concerned about the short periods, not being able to build relationships with my students and you have a different kind of relationship, but it's so long-term and I love that. It's so true. Like I was talking to my kids, my fifth graders, and I think my first year with them, first, second, I'm counting on my hands. (laughs) First, (laughs) second, third, fourth, fifth. So I knew them since first grade. And it was cool. Like, they're like, we don't remember the person before. I'm like, well, that's nice. But it's just like cool to see them over the years. And I have like pictures of them. And it's just like, that is something you don't get, always get as a classroom teacher, um, mm-hmm. unless you loop with them, which I don't know why you want to do that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is so cool. I love that. And I didn't know you only taught one, them once a week. So how do you structure your projects? That's a big, a lot of people do that. Like, that's hard. Yes. So to add on to that, I see them 40 (laughs) minutes a week, and I have one minute between classes. What? Yes. Oh, yeah. I need to know. What what do you do? Which normally means I actually have students waiting outside my room as I'm Mm -hmm. releasing them, because as teachers, most of us are on time, if not early. Mm -hmm. So structure was really important for me. And I knew that in order to be really productive with all grade levels, my structure would have to vary a little bit, only seeing them for 40 minutes a week. So my K-1-2 lessons, especially in the beginning of the year, they get an instant build when they come in. And I have short challenges up on the board where I give them some free build time. I give them a material. I try to rotate materials so they get a new material usually every month. And Mm -hmm. they'll have about three problems they need to solve by building something with their materials. 
Then they get a quick brain break because my little guys need movement. So if I can theme it with what we're doing for the day, I theme it with what we're doing for the day. Then I usually have a short video or a short read, and then we go back into a challenge. The second half of the year, I stretch out the lessons more to be like one week is our background and plan, and then the next week is our build. Then with three through six is a little different. Um, It's obviously a lot faster paced because those kids are doing more in-depth projects. So they kind of come into a do now. And the do now sometimes is just as simple as get your materials from last week and chat with your group about what your next steps are. And then I do a mini lesson. I know I was just listening to, I'm not sure if it was your most recent episode, but your structure of your classes. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing like the same thing. I'm thinking about the pie piece, right? So you have the the large mm-hmm. pie piece is not really teacher time. So I do about five to 10 minutes. Some weeks, it's honestly just reviewing what we did last week and reviewing hot glue safety because that comes yeah. up again and again. <laughs> I know. And then, yes. And then they'll have about, depending on how much talking I do, 20, 20 to 25 solid minutes of building and then five minutes of cleaning like crazy. And I try mm-hmm. to get them in line early. So yeah. really my time on teaching is about 35 minutes mm-hmm. with the cleanup, with everything else that's going on. So the do now time is super valuable for me and my structure because it gets them moving and doing something from the moment they walk in the door. And it helps me transition because I only had one minute on the clock between classes. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm really desperate, if I'm very behind with my littles, I'll, instead of reading them the book that we're working on problem solving from, I'll play it on YouTube just to give myself time to set materials as much as I love to read to them. I do sometimes just need the time to swap over from my big kids (laughs) to my little kids. Because sometimes my Thursdays, especially today happens to be a Thursday when we're talking to each other. And my Thursdays are, I have fourth, second sixth, second, fifth. So it's a lot of flipping oh, materials all day. Whoa, and that, yeah. yes, yes. So if I could choose, I would love to have all of my fourth grades one day and my sixth grades another day, but that really wouldn't work in our school. So yeah, so it's similar structure to what you're doing, but my yeah. pacing obviously is a little bit different. Very similar to your structure. However, our projects, from what I've heard you talk about on the podcast and seen you share, is that your projects last about a week where my projects, my stu- my fourth graders finished up their mini golf design project and it took them about probably eight weeks, but it was one session per week. Yeah. So I really have to, I have to backwards plan a lot. I have to really think yeah. about what I want the end of the project to be, where I want it to land. So my sixth graders right now are making playable winter winter carnival games for the week before our holiday break. And they have to be done without a doubt by Thursday, December 15th, because we'll start on Friday, December 16th. So I really had to count back and I'm, I'm hoping we'll make it because I gave them more time than last year. <laughs> but we had Veterans Day on a Friday and we had our school fundraiser on a Friday that the kids were in all day. It's a lot like field day. So when I lose a week with them, it's it's a big hit. It's a big hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It totally is. It is. But I'm glad. I appreciate you like explaining that because I think, like I said, your situation is more common um, seeing the kids once a week. And I think some teachers 
and you might have experienced this struggle with like doing a longer project with the older kids, just like how do you structure that? And of course, it's not perfect all the time. And um, you just have to figure out how it will work out. And it's okay if it takes long. But I think if you have natural breaks in the project, it's probably really doable carrying it on every week. It's not ideal, but you know your older kids can handle it too. So how do you store everything? I'm sure people are asking. Probably oh, goodness gracious. I That is my biggest, I would say the biggest pit in the peach, right? So I have a classroom that prior to my arriving there was converted from what used to be our computer room and a very small science lab into one steam classroom. So I have a lot of space. I have about yeah. 1300 square feet, which in theory sounds like a lot of storage space. Yeah. However, I do have cabinets and the cabinets are chock full of stuff from science kits and stuff from donations mm-hmm. and storing is really hard. And what I learned last year in my first year was that if I'm having kids do cardboard projects, there needs to be one grade level doing a cardboard project at a time. I learned last year that one of the things that I can't do is have multiple large builds going at the same time. So my fourth grade does a large build the first part of the year. When they're done, my sixth grade right now is doing a large build. Then my fifth grade will do a large build next because I have about three or four storage cabinets that I can use for student storage. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, I don't really have storage space. So we do a lot of what I call with the little guys, deconstruction projects. It's like put it up for a day, take it down. We're using paper towel tubes and we're taking them back down and putting them away. So that really helps with the space management and the project storage. Last year, I made the mistake of doing a couple cardboard projects at the same time, and I was literally buried in cardboard in the lab, and I was miserable. Getting overwhelmed with researching, planning, and teaching meaningful K-5 STEM lessons? It can be a lot of work, and I completely understand. When I walked into my brand new role at a brand new classroom with zero curriculum, Over the years, I've been developing a K-5 STEM year-long plan that is rooted in standards, the engineering design process, and station rotations. In fact, don't just take it from me, here's what other teachers are saying about these plans. Anne says, this was a very helpful resource for me as a new STEM teacher. I appreciate that I had activities for all grade levels. My students loved all of these lessons. Tara says, this resource is amazing. I love that these are challenges that have been tried in the classroom. One of the best things that I purchased. There are over 50 lessons already included in the bundle and it's growing. Everything new that is added, lessons and updates, you will always get for free when you purchase today. As a bonus, I included a free digital teacher plan book that is made specifically for K-5 STEM teachers who have a lot of classes and plans to manage every day. It's easy to edit and gives you enough blocks to write in, unlike most paper planners out there. Being a podcast listener, I am giving you an exclusive $30 off code for the entire K-5 STEM bundle. You can grab the bundle at naomimeredith.com slash K-5 STEM and put in the code podcast K-5 at checkout. So I made that change because I just couldn't live like that. I am not comfortable with clutter. And that's been my biggest point of growth in this job is that it is cluttered Mm -hmm. all of the time. 
Yep, my room's and it's trash. healthy clutter. Yep. Yes, yeah. it's, it's healthy clutter. And I generally know where things are, but to the untrained eye, it, it looks like a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Mine is too. It's like, what does this frizzle <laughs> say? Make mistakes, get messy. I'm like, my room yes. is trashed. Like, yes, I'm yes. the same. Like, I have like a big room, but also like no storage. So there's just mm-hmm. stuff everywhere. Like I have my wa- well, you know, you know, you're getting a wagon soon. I have my wagon just chilling. I have like all my stuff. I have like I'm cutting. I have my cricket machines out, cutting stickers. Like it's it's trashed all the time, but it's very very organized. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Is there anything else that surprised you? I mean, the storage, your time, like what, like coming out of the classroom, getting into this, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Um, I I touched on it a little bit earlier, but honestly, it was the amount of classroom management that it took because as a fairly established classroom teacher, when I left the classroom to go to AIS, I already had about 12 years under my belt. And then when I went into STEAM, so now I had 13 years and I thought, all right, I have systems. I know my systems pretty well. I feel very comfortable with them. So I thought I had it on lock and I was just going to walk in and my systems were going to work. And some did and some didn't. So what I didn't realize was how many more systems I needed last year. And this summer, I spent a lot of time just thinking about systems that would help class run smoother and create a calm experience with clear expectations for my students. So I have even more systems this year than I have probably ever had. And could I use a few more? (laughs) Probably, yes. But it actually, it feels a lot better in my classroom this year with more systems. So I would say I have at least twice the amount of systems in place that I did when I was a classroom teacher. And I didn't expect it to be that much more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I felt the same way because I'm all about classroom management ever since I started teaching. That was like the biggest thing I had to work on. So I'm like huge on that. And I had, there's so many things I did so wrong my first year. Like I had, I think I talked about this, like the crayons, I had a big bucket of crayons. Someone ate them and spit, spit them out. So I'm like, well, that didn't work. Like that's not good. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. And it just comes with time and how things are moving in your room. And it depends on the project. Sometimes Uh I think I've noticed that for sure. Like, oh, or the grade. Some grades can do certain things and some can't. Well, and I was just going to say that. And I think, yes, some grades can, can manage a lot of materials. Some grades can't manage as many materials. And also from year to year, sometimes the grades are not the same personalities. They're not the same kind of maturity. And I've had to adapt and change some things even from last year that I did because they just didn't fit with the incoming group. And not because they couldn't meet the expectations, but because the constraints had had to be modified a little bit to require less materials to be used or Mm -hmm. to simplify some of the building that we were doing or be really specific about how to use scotch tape. Yeah. Which is something I never thought I would have to teach anyone how to use scotch tape because I I I remember using scotch tape as a kid. I am shocked at how many young hands need explicit direct instruction about how to use a tape dispenser. Yeah. I did not expect that last year, but this year I'm rocking and rolling. Yeah, it's like dangling everywhere. You're like, no, no. Oh my no. goodness. No. We That's were just funny. making 
parade balloons today with second grade. So I was yeah. teaching them that if we can't rip the tape off, we can use our scissors and we can cut the tape off the dispenser because otherwise we'll be there all day trying to tape things. Oh yeah. It's so funny you said that because one girl I interviewed is Jen. We were talking about tape too. It's a real thing. I never thought. Seriously. I'm all about the tape situation too. I did last year too. That was one of my other big shockers was masking tape kids who couldn't physically rip the masking tape without like closing it like Mm -hmm. it would just be a string of closed tape and that didn't even dawn on me as a muscular skill until kids started doing it and I was like oh my gosh I need to teach them how to rip the tape yes yeah we're in the business of life skills right here if any they don't learn anything from us at least they know how to use tape they'll know how to use tape they'll be able to wrap a present like you won't believe oh yeah I actually have a lesson I've done that and the kids got so mad at me it was like um they had to find the area and perimeter of the wrapping paper that they were doing and how many pieces of tape they had to choose a method and the kids did not like that project I'm like have wrapped a gift? Most kids had it. I'm like, oh, well, this is a good life skill. I haven't done that one in a while, but it was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, So I know because you, okay, you leave the nicest feedback on my TPT store. I always know it's you and it's just so kind of you. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you made my day. You left one the other day. But um, thinking of the resources I know you've used, what have been some of your favorites of mine? that you've seen success in your classroom? I've used a lot of them. Oh. Um, my my favorite, honestly, this year is the Makerspace menu. Good. I know you also have an episode that where you talked about yeah. that. So I'm going like- to plug you for you. Okay. People should go back and listen to that yeah. episode if they're interested in this. So the Makerspace menu has been a huge time saver for me. When I took the Steam role last year, I always had Steam budgeting on my mind and my kiddos thinking differently about their tasks and having some strong constraints in place. And in my mind, I was going to create steam lab money and thing out. And then I heard you talking about it and I was like, why am I going to sit down and build this all out myself when I can just get the resource and give myself peace of mind And it's actually been really great because you have the front of the menu page where you have all of the items set already. Mm -hmm. So I go in and take out things that I I know I either don't have a lot of, that I know Mm -hmm. my students in the past have not used in a way that made sense for the material or something that just doesn't fit a certain project. And I just pop it out. And right now in my classroom, just this week, I set up like a $1, $2, and a $3 drawer the, that they pull out of a cart. Oh, so that's cool. Out and let my kids shop like that. So that's been huge for me. And like I said, I've used a lot. Last year I used the, the spider web. <laughs> oh yeah. You sent me a video. I remember you tagged me the spider pulleys. Yes. So I did that with my kindergarten last year. Kindergarten this year is not quite ready for that. They're very young. They're yeah, same. same. Four turning five instead yes. of five six. So they're not ready for that just yet. But when we did push pull, we did that last year. That was super fun for them. And uh, my students do a board game project and we use a lot of the materials from your steam survival camp board game 
um, unit. But what I do is we don't use exterior outdoor materials because we do ours in the winter. Oh, perfect. And the thing I've been using a lot lately is your Google Classroom Google Suite posters and your hot glue gun posters. So I use them when I'm teaching my students hot glue safety because they don't really know a lot about the parts of the hot glue gun. And so I have them in Google Classroom for instruction, but then I also have them actually framed and hanging up in my lab. Oh, they're framed. They are. Listen, they're printed on cardstock with color ink. They need to stay nice. That's so cute. I've never thought about framing the posters. That's adorable. So frames. Yes, I will. Frames and command strip frame hangers. They're like Velcro. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cute. Oh, that yeah. makes me so happy. Like, I'm so glad, like, <laughs> all these, like, things have helped you save time. Um, so I love the time. menu, too. Like, that, I I was playing around with it for years, and then I was like, how can I make this make sense for other people? And I just added an update. I don't know if you've used it yet. I just added it, like, a few weeks ago. But it's, like, a uh, table, so they have to write down, like, the items, how many, and then the... um the total cost, which your, your math yes. brain would love. And I just added it and my kids are like, Oh, I like this update. I'm like, perfect. I'm, I'm chuckling listening to you. Cause I made one really quick. Cause I was oh, like, yeah. Ooh, I want them to have, I want them to have a budget ledger. So my kids yeah. have been using a budget ledger perfect. with it, but I'm going to download, I'm going to download the update cause I didn't know it was there. No, it was um, like three, like a few weeks ago. I'm like, I should probably have this in there. So that's so yeah. funny. Like, well, you, I'm glad I made you proud with my math skills. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, we need a budget ledger yeah. just because it's, it's easier for them to kind of track what they're spending. So that's awesome. I'll download that because yeah. I just been printing all of mine from a single project I made for the kids instead Perfect. of actually adding it to my resources. Um, that's so yeah, so I'll, I'll download that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the menu and it's great. I love what I love about it. And what I love about having budgeting as a constraint in STEM and STEAM is that Having done it without the budget last year, going to Mm -hmm. using the budget this year, the change in the conversations in gathering materials is so powerful and so impactful because they're really evaluating what they actually need versus I'm just going to take it because it's there. Mm -hmm. And I find that we're creating much less waste because of that as well. And as, as a human being, but also as a STEAM teacher, waste is really important to me and I'm trying to reduce waste as much as I can. It's inevitable because we Mm -hmm. do build out of recycled materials, but I like to think that before we recycle, those materials are kind of getting a second life before they actually become actual recycling or trash. (laughs) But I do try to reduce waste as much as possible. And the budgeting has really changed that piece. Oh, I see that too. And you probably say this, you don't have to restock as much. And it keeps them super independent. Like they have their little list and they're very thoughtful. Um, They're like, oh, I don't have enough money for this. I'm like, well, you have to make a choice. Like that's how it is. Mm -hmm. If you're remodeling a house, you don't have unlimited money. That's just, you have to be creative with what you got. I love it too. I'm like, obsessed. And I don't know if the kids laugh. I'm like, I'm the banker and I'm the cash register. I am all the roles. (laughs) And they just start laughing. (laughs) What I I framed it for when I started budgeting with the kids was when you decide you grow up and you might want to be an engineer. Engineers do have constraints like this when they're working for companies to engineer Mm -hmm. video games. They have a finite budget for that video game. Maybe, yeah, they pitch their idea and they're idea. Oh my gosh. It just sounded like my mom. They pitch, <laughs> yeah, they pitch their idea 
and their bosses love it. But then they say, okay, yeah, you can make a mock-up for $3,000. And if you can't do it for $3,000, then you can't do it. So I'm trying to drive home the message that for those who already know they have an engineering mindset and they want to be engineers, that it's not all sunshine and roses and just making what you want. You have Mm -hmm. to actually budget and plan and just think about what you're doing. And that is part of the engineering design process. But And you you might like this too. So part of my process for them is after they budget, I also have them write up a plan and I have them write up from third through sixth, they write the first five steps of their plan. Uh So as a group, they'll write what they're doing. And we talked about how we're not writing get the materials, but we're writing attach cardboard A to cardboard B. So after they write the first five steps and their budget, because I am working like one week at a time, they'll submit it to me. I bought a stamp that says building permit approved from Zazzle. (laughs) And I read through their plans. I look at their um, diagrams and labels and I look at their budget and just check that their math was right. And I stamp them for approval. And then the next time they come in, they get to shop and they can get whatever change they need and all that kind of good stuff. And it has been so much fun for me, honestly, yeah. even with the stamp. But it, it's really changed the way projects are flowing to have those, you know, and some kids, for some kids, yes, they don't want to work with a plan in front of them. They just kind of want to dive in and go. So that's why I only said five steps, because Mm -hmm. after those five steps, they are going to dive in and go. Mm -hmm. But I want them to have something to start with, because often I found last year that when they didn't have a place to start definitively, there was a lot of, I don't like this anymore. I want to start again. And I don't see that as much this year. Interesting. That is so cool. I've never thought of having, it's almost like writing a how-to. I've never thought of that. That's so smart. And especially carrying Mm -hmm. it on the weeks for them. They're not, oh, I remember I was going to do this. Like, Uh oh, that's what I was working on. That is so, that is a cool way to plan. That's like, that's really good. I, it was in part from hearing uh, the I Heart Steam podcast. She had some ideas that were similar to that and my own thinking about it. And then the stamp, I just kind of got the idea (laughs) in my head. So I, it just really, it took off and that stamp was not cheap, but it was worth the money. Yeah. Well, and you tape everyone, so you'll use it a ton. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you sharing all this stuff and I'm so excited for, I know other teachers are going to want to reach out to you um, because I'm sure that your story is so much like theirs, (laughs) so much like mine. Um, But do you, where can they find you and do you have um, anything you want to share with them? Um, just that they would love. Well, I am mathematically enthused, which is a really long handle, (laughs) but I'm mathematically enthused on Instagram. I'm mathematically enthused on TikTok, though I don't post as much or interact as much on TikTok, but I consume a lot. (laughs) I am mathematically enthused at Gmail. I do have a blog that I am slowly building at mathematicallyenthusedblog.net. And I... I'm super responsive on Instagram. So that's really the best way to get me. But I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has, especially if they're considering making the change from classroom into STEAM, as I'm sure you are in your role as, as someone who's also a STEAM coach. So I, anyone has any questions, anyone wants to figure out how to turn a math lesson into something STEM or STEAM just to put some energy into it, I will talk to anyone. I also happen to be an extrovert. 
So <laughs> there's there's no wrong way to contact me. I'm I'm good. Well, I love chatting with you. I appreciate you so much and um, I'm just excited for this episode and just where your journey in STEM is going to be. So thank you again for being so here excited. today. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Good. We'll, t- we'll chat soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to elementarystemcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, naomimeredith.com to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources, or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.